two sports fanatics, both with some background in MMA, looking to provide some of their thoughts on what goes on in the world of mixed martial arts. A jiu-jitsu practitioner who is not afraid to get her feet up and provide a stellar knockout or get your jits on, teams up with the Fly Guy, a karate kid turned boxer who would enjoy putting you to sleep by embracing your neck. Tie the Fly Guy. Live from your favorite podcast station, it's Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles, Laurel versus Ty, and it starts right now. FKTC crew, we are back for episode five, and I've decided to call this one Bays with the Rays. Um, we are welcoming back Laurel. Get your jits on after her week off. How was your little vacation? Awesome sauce. My biggest news of vacation was I saw a California condor. It's a big deal. It's a big deal? It's a big deal. They're in danger and could go extinct. Oh my goodness. In my lifetime. <gasps> no. Very I need to look up this conador. Is it, what kind of animal is it? Remind me. It's like a huge bird that eats dead things. Mm, that's right. That's right. Uh, well, the fact uh, though is they have these little antennas on top of those condors. And when during its migration route, they put up uh, big wind turbines. And mm -hmm. when they get close to a turbine, it sends a radio frequency to the turbine and shuts the turbine down. Ooh, really? I know, that's how high, high tech things have become to, to save the wildlife, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, so you heard it here, save the conodores. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing while I missed the fights was California condoring. Ah, uh, it's no worries. Yeah. Um, I've <laughs> I missed pretty much all but the main event. I was at my I was at a wedding featuring the bride and groom are both best friends that I've known for a decade, over a decade. And so Sometimes you got to miss fights for very important things that happen, not in just your life, but in other people's lives. Or if you want to go out and take a vacation to go see some Conodors. <laughs> so we're going to apologize if this is a little bit of a scatterbrained podcast because one, we were both out and then out for most of it. And then two, we're trying to get Laurel's perspective of what happened in St. Hagen versus Stillshaw, and then I'm going to give a little bit of a blurb on what happened in Hall versus Strickland, because I only saw the main event, so don't shoot me. Although someone did mention to me on Twitter today that good for you for putting life in front of you at the UFC, and so what shout is out the UFC. <laughs> what was that? What if life is the UFC? Oh, <laughs> I'm just oh, that, I'm, I'm sorry, fighters. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every, anyone who competes in mixed martial arts, I apologize for that. Um, but Good. I will shout out MMA Catfish for that because he he's a loyal follower. Well, loyal follower of a podcast, but he also like, because I normally send out questions for this one podcast and he'll give his thoughts on it. And so... 
Thanks for approving that I can go to this wedding and miss the fights. <laughs> so we'll cover a little bit of the last two events from both of our perspectives. We'll cover a little bit of MMA news and then we'll get right into UFC 265. It's supposed to be a big one. Although I don't agree with the interim title being tagged up on the main events, but what are you gonna do? Interim. And I think that's one thing we'll probably, I wanna maybe talk about when we get to the main event is like, is it really necessary to have an interim title fights? But touch up more on that later. But first, Laurel, I hear you want to talk a little bit about uh, what happened in St. Hagen versus Dillashaw since we did not get to hear your thoughts last week. Well, my catchy line for this week is the tale of the tape for these fights is mental toughness because going back and watching the highlights of that, what a blood bath. And once you feel blood, you're like, oh, I'm bleeding. <laughs> and you start to lose some of your comfort there. But my gosh, some, nobody ever quit. It was amazing. It was amazing watching that. I heard that you and Jordan talked a little bit about the Barber Maverick fight. We did. And um, there's a lot of interesting things to read on the interweb and I think that everybody has an opinion about scoring and even the famous Gracies have stepped up and said, you know, here's what we should do in, in the point system. And as with everything that we work with, uh, everybody has different opinions about things and how they should be implemented. And it's really, really kind of judgment calls, even when we watch the, the fight, you know, is a hit significant or not? And what do you consider a stronger fighter reaction from a hit than, than others? So um, one interesting factoid about the decision between those two ladies was Barber was the first woman to win by decision in, in a fight. And I'm like, how did that, that happen? And um, she had fewer than 40 total strikes and she was outstruck by more than, than 40 strikes. And she, in her opinion, she thought that she had that fight because of the clinch and the, the pressure that she put on that. And so it got me thinking, well, how much does clinch and, and pressure uh, how much value is there in, in getting a clinch, getting hints off the hits off the clit, clinch and the pressure that you show in the ring. So as you all know, it's 10 point system. The points are based off of um, effectiveness of your strike, effectiveness of your grappling, ring control, effectiveness of your aggressiveness, and defense. And so if you take into consideration control, aggressiveness, and the ability to defend, that there is three of the five factors. And I guess you could win by throwing fewer than 40 strikes and less significant strikes if you control the ring, you're more aggressive, 
and you're good at defending yourself. And going back and watching that Barber Maverick fight, I think that probably Barber was, was the, the better controller. She was more aggressive in the ring and she was the better defender in those strikes. So who knows again, the way I look at it and the way a judge looks at it in the ring where he can maybe hear, hear better or, or have a better view of what's going on, especially in the clinch. Maybe that's how that barber fight was, was won. I um, would sometimes like to have the, and they're probably gonna, never gonna do this, but I would like to have the judges do a recap interview of the fights and how they judged it. I think that would be awesome, at least in a podcast situation. Um, but I would like to hear from our audience or our viewers what they think about that point system and how they think it could be changed. And maybe that's kind of a topic that we can slowly start to address over time over our podcast. But with that Barber fight in the Maverick fight, let's see who had Maverick as the winner there. Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> I am pointing myself right now because I did realize, <laughs> yep, I did have... I would just like to point out that our current scorecard, mine, five wins, five losses, and eight draws. Guess what yours is? I'm guessing because of that Barber, Barber Maverick fight, it's probably four wins for me, six losses, and five draws. Oh. Well, I have you at three, seven, and ten. Well, what, did I, <laughs> what else did I lose? Oh, uh, we both, we lost on Minner. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We lost on Phillips versus Piva. Oh, yeah. Piva. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we lost on Sandhagen versus Dillashaw. <laughs> of course. And then Ladd versus Chason was canceled. Yeah. But I did, I did a good job picking. <laughs> Got two wins. If I don't point that out, then what is this podcast made of? Yep. <laughs> so tell me about the Bellator fight. Um, first, I want to touch up on Hall versus Strickland. Um, oh. Basically, so I, I've mentioned this before, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, there are only... So... The first, it appeared to start strong because Phil Rowe defeated Oren Costas via a knockout the second round. He like threw this like, I don't know if it was like a standing knee or a flying knee. It was like, it went so quick I couldn't tell. And he like got rocked back and then just ground and pound for victory. Um, the next four, no, the next four of the next five fights went by, went to decision. Um Guzemacher defeated Garcia, unanimous decision. And then the one that wasn't a decision was Chavez versus Kamaya was ruled a draw, which I'll have to look back and see what made it a draw. Going off your point system, 
I looked at Jin Yufrey uh, beating Ashley Yoder via unanimous decision. Even though Yoder landed more strikes than Frey um, was the very interesting part. I do have to look and see what the control and the whole clinching game was, um, which I'll probably recap. I might be able to recap a little bit more on it next week since there's... So, spoiler alert, there is no UFC fight card next week after this pay-per-view card. So, might be a good chance for me to go back and look back at that. And then we had... Adeshev beating Benoit via name decision. And then starting the main card, Wit beat Barbada by via majority decision. So it's like, oh my gosh, decision fest, decision fest. Like, are we going to see something interesting? Well, uh, Malesk provided that for us with a spectacular head kick knockout against Colin Angular, nice. if I'm reading that correctly. Nice. And it was just like head kick, and it looked like uh angula's head kind of like went and was like very close to hitting that side of the fence and maleska just pounded on him to finish it off and then we had just a clean punch ko from jared gooden who defeated nicholas stolz in that way just like a punch fell down and it just took two strikes for the opponent for the ref to pull him off and that's all for that one and then probably one of the more interesting knockouts of the evening, Cheyenne Bays, who this podcast episode is named after, defeated Gloria DePaula via knockout, via head kick. And it was very interesting how it happened, too. Uh, they, had, they were both on the ground. Cheyenne Bays got up to let her opponent get up. And as soon as, as, soon as both legs of Gloria DePaul were up and her hands were up. Like literally she like was down and looked up and stared Cheyenne Bays' foot in the face and got uh, knocked down. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> brutal. Like it was as she was getting up, boom, like, oh wow. And Cheyenne Bays thought it was just a clean knockout and Gloria DePaula managed to recover just in time to try to get up, but then Bays just like jumped on top of her and like threw down like hell bows beyond anything on her and mm-hmm. until the ref was like nope this is over it was a 60 second knockout and which gave cheyenne bay's performance of the night and an extra 50 g's wow yep do and you then- think fans are more um do you think that fans hate decisions um or just think they're boring? Do we expect too much? I, th- I would say maybe expecting a little too much in a sense, but I think from my from my point of view, if it's like one or two decisions in a row, I'm like okay, then they either like evenly match or just don't have that finishing power. But I remember one card in which it was just. I think it was like nine or 10 straight decisions. And like once it's decided for like, because you're thinking 15 minute fights. And if you think 15 times nine, that's like 135 minutes you're spending watching fights. That's like two hours. And I think with the attention span that we, that a lot of us have in this day of age, 
having to sit through nine or 10 decisions is not going to, it's going to be like, everyone's going to pass out and fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So I think just that lack of attention and just, because I think I remember at one, I was at UFC Philadelphia back in 2019 and it was almost that same way. There was like a lot of decisions and the fight we were watching, I think it was between Emmett and it was Emmett and Johnson. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to go to decision. I could feel everyone, including myself, starting our eyes to get heavy until Josh Emmett landed a clean punch and knocked Johnson out. That woke everybody up. So I think just the excitement of a finish over the decision, which it, most some decisions are boring. Some decisions are exciting. I think it just depends on how many decisions there are. And like, if you can like throw in a little finish mix in every now and then, it could be that. But I, I think it's just attention span is and how long a decision can go is probably the reason why not a lot of people are friend, fans of decisions. I would think as a fighter, the decision would be like your worst nightmare. I don't. As a fighter, I wouldn't want to have to leave it up to the judge to decide my fate because exactly. anything can happen. So there's great motivation to to finish out a fight. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that those matchups are always designed that way. Right. So. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up because... I think a fighter's mentality is you never want to bring it to the judges to decide that fight because is dominant. I can understand. Um, but if, if there's that ever inch of like, just bring it to decision, like, especially with how judging has been recently, they could really put you like, like if you're really not confident, you won that fight or if it's like really close or you're like, completely dominated like it's just like the worst feeling like I already know how this is gonna go or if you're like this close like this could be the difference between making an extra between making nothing and between making an extra $1,200 for the average fighter so I think that's why people try to why fighters try to aim more for the finish because they it's like clean cut they already know they're either getting the money or they're not getting the money or they like the the judges if you think about it the judges actually do have a little bit of a factor if it goes to the decision whether you're going to be able to pay people or make the rent stuff like that and i'll touch up a little bit more on fighters pay in a little bit but i think decisions are the big reason why are are uneasy for fighters and uneasy for fans Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting sort of deal because if you put two guys in the ring that are pretty equally matched and logically might uh, come down to a decision win, but if you put two fighters in the ring where one has a significant uh, advantage in, in that they get a lot of knockouts, then you put in a lopsided fight, so mm-hmm. it's um, it's it's interesting how it all all plays out. I mean, I would think that you put two fighters in that have the best 
matchup potential or really do want to fight each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it'd be neat to give the fighters the opportunity to choose exactly who they want to fight all the time and make it more about the fighters instead of more about the the UFC. But I don't know that we'll ever get to that. Yeah. It might be a while before we get to that. Um, Because those are actually really good points. Like, let the fighters decide who they want to fight. Like, although some fighters, like when they're interviewed at the end, like they ask, like, who do you want to fight next? Like whoever the UFC puts in front of me. So just some of them just take it as is. And of course, we have some fighters who know who they want to go, who they want to fight, because either it works for them or it's like a fight that can get them really excited. And you know, right? And we should talk about that during the fighters' pay segment here. Yeah, talk that's a more about it. Yeah, um, but before we get to our news and segments, um, the main events. If you missed it. I don't blame you because I watched it. I could not stay focused for the life of me on that fight. It was it was like Strickland just dominated Uriah Hall from start to finish. And when you have a five round decision that's just domination like that, we're, I'm just here like, is it over yet? Can we just move on now? You think no. that was usual? What's that? Do you think it's unusual? I've never heard anyone say that about Uriah Hall, that he just didn't come to play. Yeah, that's very unusual because we've, like his last two fights, like he defeated two legends in Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman. And the right. fact that he comes flat against a against Sean Strickland, who I just found out today um, moved he didn't move up at the time, but he was a welterweight at one point and mm-hmm. he moved up to middleweight. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know a whole lot about Sean Strickland until really, I think until this fight, maybe I've heard like maybe pieces of it, but it's just, there's a lot of people have called him like very strange from what I've gathered about. Um, but it, it was just so bizarre with how flashy and how, like, we've seen how flashy Uriah Hall's finishes are. The fact that he just came out flat was just really surprising. Like, I was watching at least the first two rounds, like, what are you doing, Uriah? Do something. And then pretty much by the end of the third round, like, all right, yeah, this, this isn't going. I'm, I'm going to get ready to go out into the city, which didn't really end up happening. Like, thanks, Uriah Hall. You ruined my night. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> harsh. Very harsh. <laughs> yeah. But that's just but my true. Yeah. But true. So we'll see. Um, before, while I guess while we're getting into MMA news, apparently Sean Strickland has his next fight lined up, and they are they've approached him about fighting Luke Rockhold for his next fight. I think at the pay per view in October, if I remember correctly. But I can only see that one going one way for right now. But yeah, yeah, we'll go from there. Sure. Um, but that's pretty much all I had for Hall versus Strickland. Some some good moments, but overall, um, 
from what I've gathered from Twitter and from what I saw from the main event, I have to give it like a C minus bordering. A, no, yeah, let's give it a C minus. If it weren't for the knockouts, then I probably would have Harsh. given it a D. If it weren't for the knockouts, I would have given it a D. Wow. That's how, that, just from gathering from what Twitter said and from seeing the few highlights, uh-huh. it, was, it, it was a card that you could probably catch watching highlights on later. But Yikes. It is what it is. I'm glad I missed it. <laughs> um, so that rolls us into MMA news. Um, should we cover the point system, the pay, or the Bellator fight first? No, just do let's let's do the fighters pay. All right, let's get we were already kind of rolling on that. All right, that's perfect then. Um so this has been a topic, um, it, especially in MMA for a couple of weeks now, now that I think about it. Um, so I did like a little bit of research um, here and there and like trying to figure out what other people have said on Twitter um, among other places. Um, it's might've changed, but the average fighter in the UFC they make $12,000 just to show up for the fight and they get an extra 12,000 if they win. Um, that might have changed. I heard it maybe 13,000 now, but Whoa, $1,000 difference? Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Factor that into that these fighters normally fight only 2 to 3 times a year. Year you're, you're about making about as much as someone who has like a $30,000 salary for a year. Yeah, no, you're making nothing. Yeah. You have to pay your trainer. Exactly. You have to pay mm-hmm. your doctor. Yep. Uh, and it's pay- time spent away from everything else. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys have families. Yep. And jobs. Mm-hmm. And who's making that money? <laughs> Dana White. Yep. He's the one making the big bucks. Freaking uh, Bruce Buffer makes more money for his voice than a guy mm-hmm. that got his face pounded in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the sad reality of it. And of course, my alarm goes off as soon as I am on the podcast. Not even thinking, like, oh, it's five o'clock. Um, but yes. Um, of course, that money does change a little bit, the higher you're up in the ranks, or if you're a champion or a contender, but the one- but there's, there's my rub though. Mm-hmm. It, it's not really a rub against a fighter per se, but if you want better quality, higher quality fights, then guys need to earn a living at it. Right, exactly. And- if you fight one fight a year as a top fighter and make, I don't know, 30,000, then how is that different than a guy that trains all year as well and fights three fights and makes 30,000? Mm-hmm. Right. You're, the quality of the UFC is only as much as the organization puts into the people making their money. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
Um, and it doesn't make things better because we've seen time in and time out, especially, so let's see the UFC, let's, let's break it down. They have like two different streaming services. They've got ESPN plus, and then they've got UFC fight pass and even fight pass is ridiculous. I think it's like around a hundred dollars for a year. So you're asking fans to shell out a hundred dollars a year. Plus I think they're raising the price for ESPN plus. So I think I want to, I pay monthly. So I think it's gonna be like seven bucks a month. So multiply that by 12, that's 84. So you're asking fans for both streaming services to shell out $200 a year on average, plus another $75 times 12 or 13 forever, how many pay-per-view cards they have. And so you factor that and that's like over a thousand, that's I think close to the high, like 900s, close to a thousand. Well, so if you think 75, 150, I'd have to calculate it, but that's, I think like around anywhere between 500 to $1,000 right there. And then factor in all the other stuff like buying tickets, getting merchandise and all that. It's expensive being a fan of the UFC. And what do the fighters get out of it? Very, very little. Um, especially because there's no more sponsor. There's very little sponsorships now. Um, and they, the UFC even put like crypto as like their own specialized sponsorship. And then of course there's like Reebok and now Venom deals like, but the fan, the fighters of that barely, I think barely see anything from that. What What's the business model to make money though with the UFC? Like how has boxing done it? Who um, don't know. I don't know either. I mean, what what is the, you know, not every guy, some of the guys in UFC or most of the guys are just, you know, I would say average Joes, like average, average people like you and I and not getting sponsorship deals and not getting notoriety and half of the, you know, even the early prelim cards when we were kind of doing that when we did the one segment on introduce a new fighter there was just nothing to go off of right as far as recorded activity and so you know I don't know how how they earn money right um one um what's the word one point I want to bring across that is what happened in Hall versus Strickland. So as we mentioned, Cheyenne Bayes had that 60 second knockout. Mm -hmm. um, there was a video release. I think it was, I, I think I even saw it before I went, before I left after the Hall versus Strickland. No, it was when I came back that night. Um, they came up to Cheyenne Bayes and told her that she had made $50,000 kind of performance a night. And she like, straight up collapsed on the floor like literally sobbing because of that mm -hmm. um because she had mentioned in her post-fight press conference she had negative money in her account from all the training and all that stuff so she said that 
that fifty that fifty thousand dollars is gonna really help her out because I think if you look at she got the if she's making the average, she got twelve hundred to show, got the twelve hundred win, so that's twenty four hundred. I she would probably barely see Yeah. Not a whole lot of it. So getting that extra getting double of what you made for your show. No. Yeah, double what you made for your show and your win, that's going to change a lot of lives. Mm -hmm. And so Cheyenne actually went on and say, like, she wanted to make this, like, the best performance she's ever had and try to get to that. So her comments really brought into light on what the big problem that the UFC has with their fighters. Yep. Yeah, it's... It, it ultimately has to be addressed within the fighters too. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, most fighters, I think, fight for the love of fighting and they just love being in the ring and they're competitors all the way around, but they have to come up with a solution to bargain their way into more money within in the UFC. And I just don't feel like they have that kind of those kinds of resources or bargaining power, or it's, I don't know how, how many of them are really business-minded, uh, which, which obviously would go a lot to, to help their cause. But I mean, I think something has to change to that because I really don't feel like buying a $75 pay-per-view card for for one night knowing that the fights are going to be meh yeah and i'm not going to say boring because that's an insult to (laughs) to fighters but right not as um good as i as i think they should be for that value for that money right Another factor I want to bring into that too is the fighters that, so it can actually go either either way that now that I think about it, the more pay-per-views that are bought, the more, like it, most of the, actually, I think pretty much most of those, it goes towards points, towards like championship fighters and all that. Whereas everyone not fighting in the main event isn't seeing that money and so but then of course that could also go down against the champion as well if not a lot of people are buying pay-per-views that's more money that's not going towards those fighters right yeah it's I don't know it's interesting I don't know how to address it because I'm not a business-minded person but it's also kind of why I asked the question about decisions if Mm. so many fights are going to come down to decisions unless it's a blood bloodbath like the last GFC fight is it really worth it right so if you want more people to watch your program you put together a better better entertainment mm-hmm. and i don't know if we're getting that for for that money right 
that's a very good point. <laughs> but you could pay, you could get better entertainment if that was someone's full-time career. Right. I mean, if at minimum you set up contracts with fighters, okay, you're going to take three fights a year, you're going to train, and this is what we're going to pay you at minimum, mm -hmm. then, and it's a livable wage. Yeah. Right. Who knows what you get? Exactly. So hmm. we'll see. Um, so maybe we can just whoever does whoever listens to our podcast shoot us some ideas on what how would you change the fighter pay structure right of, of these UFC fighters? Um, we are helping we are willing to listen to any and all questions or not questions not responses suggestions that's what i'm looking for that's what we're looking right. for <laughs> do it um i think we've really hit it on with the fighters pay um and since we were talking a little bit about the point system you want to touch up a little bit on what point system you want to Iterate. I um I think part of the problem with the point system is it's just taken almost straight from boxing, which is kind of a different style. Mm -hmm. Um so it's maybe time for the international people that work their uh, magic to seriously kind of step back and, and look at um, how, how they're doing, how they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um. And it gets, the, the point system is more detailed than kind of what I um, kind of put it mm -hmm. in, in those fights because there's more details in what goes into effective for instance, effective striking or striking or effective grappling. And so that's that's one thought I had about the the whole thing is that effective effective defense to me, I don't know, I don't even know what that means. If do you do you get a point because someone hit you and you put your hand up to your head or what is what does that even even kind of mean <laughs> effective um, effective defense is interesting because I have never heard of that being used as set as a, of a point system, but mm -hmm. I would assume effective defense is effectively blocking punches or kicks without getting wobbled mm -hmm. or even like ducking out of the way and may, 
eh, I feel like that'd be more towards attack, but maybe counter striking, like being mm -hmm. able to avoid and then go right in there. So I would say like being able to take damage without without maybe being wobbled or being able to effectively dodge it, pretty much having your opponent miss as of like when someone's like punching and they end up punching air, that could be effective defense. Yeah, but is, does it go, it's awarded a point to the guy that got hit? Um, oh, when they block it? Yeah. Maybe. Well, I not a whole them. point, obviously, because there's only 10 points. Right. I mean, one of the suggestions was award more than just one point. Can you really differentiate fighters from one point? Like the 10 point system? Uh, probably. I mean, that's pretty much how it's set up. Like the, they say the round winner gets 10 points, his opponent gets nine points or less. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think that might be where effective defense might come into play because we've seen 10 nines and we've seen 10 eights. There are rare 10 sevens from what I've heard, but mm -hmm. like, let's take Dustin versus Connor three, for example. Dustin was like completely like lighting him up in some places. And then you take that into the fact that Connor's not really defending himself that well for at least a good portion of the fight. That might be where the 10 8 comes in. Um, and then I think maybe like effective, like the effective striking, aggression, octagon control, all that. How effective your offense is depends on how many points you get as well. So Right. Whereas where Dustin is like lighting it up and like, and Connor's doing some things, but not as effective as Dustin is. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think I see, like, if I see, I think that what, when the opponent gets eight points, it is they're not effective in their striking and they're not effective at avoiding strikes or not very effective in their defense. Like, mm -hmm. if it's like really overwhelming, like, let's say, uh, let's say, for example, Joanna Yonjijek versus, we'll go Tisha Torres, just as an example. If Joanna's outlanding Tisha Torres by two to one or even three to one, I would say if it's three to one in one round, that's 10-8 Joanna without a doubt, because Tisha's intelligently defending herself and just absorbing all these strikes, and she's not really throwing a whole lot of offense herself. Of course, those two did fight, but I don't think that's exactly what happened in that fight. I'm actually pretty confident that's not what happened. But it's just an example for anyone who wants to. And I literally just pulled that right out of my brain and just went with it. So that's like effective thinking on my part. <laughs> I think it was a good thought. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like have the new people who are getting into this like try to understand how the point system works, which is a very effective conversation to bring up because not a lot of people know how the point system goes and like and we saw with macy barber and random maverick <laughs> everyone except for the two judges that scored it for her thought maverick won that fight and so mm -hmm. it's just an ongoing discussion on what what is being seen and I don't know if we're going to get a definite answer in the next year or so. It might take a few years for that.
if if they don't if they don't want to change how it's scored by adding more points into the system to kind of fairly differentiate um, if they don't want to change how the current rules uh, sit, then perhaps the key is to redo the criteria on how or what an effective punch is or an effective grappling is so that there's a, a more detailed baseline in what you're what you're looking at mm -hmm. uh, one suggestion that was brought up i think last week while jordan and i were talking was instead of having the judges like the judges that we have now bring in judges reform the judges but have it have the judges be like former fighters because at least they'll know what to look for as if like effective offense and effective defense, because mm -hmm. they've been in that cage before and they know exactly what is counted as effective, non-effective or mm -hmm. how it, I feel like it could be a more accurate, um, accurate scoring. Um, and another suggestion that was brought up was if a round is close and that's just my suggestion, if a round is close, actually it might have been someone else's suggestion. It was two weeks ago, so I'm not 100% positive. Um, if it's a close round, score it, and then have the judges write like maybe two or three sentences on why they scored it for one fighter over the other. So that way at least we have an idea of what these judges are looking at. The thing about it is, is we don't ask judges to, the, to defend themselves in any mm -hmm. other sport. Right. And so once once a fight is decided within in the ring, you're not going to go a day later and look at the reasoning behind why a judge scored it mm -hmm. and, and then change the change the result. Mm -hmm. And so I think that having a judge that was a former fighter um, is actually the a valid a valid option and that was something that um mark what's his name mark smith who did i bring up the last time that i saw the podcast it was mark smith right i think so yeah and that's one of the things that i appreciate about him is that he was fighting while he was a judge or prior and I think that helps this game too. It could oh, yeah. also help with the fact that, you know, what, when a decision to end the fight comes into play. So no early mess ups with, with decisions. Mm -hmm. Well, actually I'm talking about refereeing, but um, mixing those two up, but but taking a guy like him when he retires from being a referee to put him into a judge, a person that's a judge would be good or have one, one deciding judge of all, like all the judges get together after a fight and one guy decides mm -hmm. that take, that would take too long. I don't know. Right. I think it's really, yeah. 
it's complicated and messed up. And that's yeah. why I'm babbling on about it. <laughs> I just don't know what well, change to be made. I'll be honest, this probably this won't be the first time we've talked about judging and all this, and I'm very confident it's not going to be the last until something gets changed. I'm pretty sure at some point someone's going to hear like, oh, you know what, we should change something. But until then, just keep talking about it when it pops up and maybe changes will happen. Maybe our viewers will have a good idea. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah our three viewers <laughs> it, might, it might be more there have been more plays definitely but more. as far as the as far as the audience is concerned there's only three um but before we get into our 265 predictions i want to bring up two little tidbits of information that happened Ooh, might be three because i just thought of this right coming out of my head but first <laughs> off bellator 263 happened aj yeah. mckee Beat the what seemed to be invincible Patricio Pitbull by a first round standing guillotine after knocking him, like knocking him down. So we're like, oh yeah, I won. Like, oh wait, no, the ref didn't stop it yet. And oh. right, right, no, but right as Pitbull got up, McKee came in and wrapped his arm around his neck and choked him out. Oh, so Pitbull couldn't even like defend himself as he got up. It was like that Cheyenne Bay's kicked to the head as soon as our opponent got up like couldn't even have time to like react like oh nope, uh, nope keep your head done. on a swivel exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's right um and with that uh aj mckee is the new bellator featherweight champion excuse me um and apparently dana white owes him lunch i guess they had some kind of bet and aj mckee won it and so and Keep an eye on AJ McKee because Dana White said that once his contract is up, he could be looking at him. So really, hmm. yeah. So it should hey, be in, in in fight news. My man Romero Cotton is is has a Bellator fight coming up. He does. I do remember hearing about that. That is next weekend. That's next weekend, right? It's pretty quick. Yeah. Because I know there's another title fight. I think it's actually, I think their next title fight is next weekend. I think it's uh, Musasi's fighting, I think. I can't remember who he's fighting yet. Um, but That'll be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. I'll tune into that one because I think that is the weekend there are no UFC fights. Um, and then my last little bit of news is that... Nico Montano has been released from the UFC. Um, she is currently four and three, but has a one and one UFC record. Um, and she won the Ultimate Fighter, crowning the flyweight champion by beating Roxanne Montefiore for a title, for the title. Um, but less, like literally less than a year later, she was stripped of it because of a failed weight cut and hospitalization as she was set to defend against Valentina Shevchenko. She's only fought in one other time, and it was a Bantamweight fight where she lost to Juliana Pena, who was supposed to fight for the title this weekend, but we'll touch up on that a little bit later. Nico Montano, since winning the belt and up until release, had nine canceled fights or she withdrew from the fights, including twice to Julia Alvia, 
once the Macy Shays on, and there was another one that she pulled out of, and it was weight issues. She contracted COVID. She had injuries, and she was even suspended for six months due to steroids. Um, she was supposed to fight on Hall versus Strickland, but she missed weight by seven pounds. And she was set to, basically, if they let that fight go on, she'd be fighting as a featherweight. And so the Nevada State Athletic Commission quickly yanked that fight off the card. And three days later, she's gone. But when I saw her weigh in, she seemed like so sad and like so depressed about this whole thing happening. And Dana White mentioned like maybe fighting is not for her. And so I felt kind of like everyone knows that Twitter was like, all oh, like, it's about time that Nico Montano got cut. But I felt kind of bad for her that it was definitely the, I, I would say it's the biggest fall from graces as a champion has ever experienced in UFC history. I um, I do not necessarily feel bad for her. I don't want it to be any sort of mental health reason, but I'm just going to say it. When you're a professional, you get your shit together. If you can't get your shit together, take a break. Not my problem. I like that. Um, yeah, especially because we're all talking about how missing weight, like you have to be professional about that. And if you're going to try to, I, I can understand, in a sense, I can understand missing weight by like one, two, two and a half pounds, maybe just the weight can get off. But if you're missing it by four pounds or more, I don't know what goes behind the scenes, but I feel like the fighter didn't even try in that sense. Yeah, that's not water weight. That's just plain laziness with your diet and not preparing for your fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the basics. If, if we can't get over that, then right. should you be fighting at all? Right. But we shall see what happens. Um, one little tidbit I do want to talk about before we get to the fights, and it's because I just noticed this today. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but Jillian Robertson and Caitlin Jugigian are two of my favorite UFC women's fighters, and they're going to be fighting at Submission Underground next Sunday. Oh my gosh. Against each other? Against each other. Who? Are you, who? I don't this know. A mental disaster for you. Oh, it's a huge mental disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Although I feel like in as if it's if they're t- saying this as submission undergrounds, I feel like Jillian has the better ground. If if I were to compare the two, Jillian has a better ground game. Although Caitlin showed a little bit of her ground game against Antonia Shevchenko after she lost her sister. So I'm not sure what the whole rules are of submission underground, but I'm definitely gonna try to find a way to tune in and watch that. Like, go Caitlin! Oh, wait, go Jillian! Like. What do I do? Rest in peace to your brain. Yes. Rest in peace to my brain. But that brings us to UFC 265 predictions. We got a interim title fight between Cyril Gaon and Derek Lewis. It's going to be headlong. It's going to be in Houston. Derek Lewis's hometown. So the home crowd will be behind him on this one. 
I know the odds, the like the biggest betting odds are with with Gong. Mm -hmm. But everybody else is like Lewis, Lewis. And Lewis yep. is like, I got my right hand because mm -hmm. he's a knockout guy. But Gon has so many other intangibles. He's so well-rounded yep. that I just, you know, I picked Lewis because he's just a fearsome, fearsome striker. Mm -hmm. um, but my my background my heart wants to go with gone but i don't know i th i pick lewis because okay. i think he's just gonna punch somebody out yeah oh you said you want to go like from top to bottom yeah sure let's right. do that this time okay so i have you started, Derek lewis. You started <laughs> lewis <laughs> well it's because i it, that's the main attraction there basically. oh that's how you named the fight yeah i see i see i see i see um but i this was really tough too um i'm really surprised at how high vegas is on Cyril gone i mean i know he's undefeated but for me i feel like he hasn't really fought in anyone except for maybe Alexander volkov but oh he did fight rosenstruck but that was that was another one of those five round fights mm -hmm. kind of yeah yeah and so i want to see how gone handles someone who can have that scary knockout power mm -hmm. and i have a feeling he's not going to be able to handle it all that well and so with that said i have Derek lewis being Cyril gone and i have it by second round ko Ooh. so we both pick the same we do um so I guess we'll go to the co-main, Jose oh, yeah. Aldo, Aldo versus Munoz. <sighs> I don't know. I don't have high hopes for this fight as far as being boring. But <laughs> background on each fighter, Aldo has a five-inch reach advantage and a mm -hmm. five-inch kick advantage. He's a better striker. He wins. He, most of his wins are by TKO. He has better takedown defense. Mm -hmm. And I think that Munho... Munoz, Munoz, mm -hmm. yeah, good. He has a tendency to throw more strikes, but they aren't as using judging terms effective. And right. he takes more punches per per fight. And I think that if he's going to sit there and take more punches with a guy like Aldo, he's just going to be toast. I just don't see an easy way for him to win here. Um, I'm going with Aldo. Okay. In the distance or my finish? Oh, I think he'll finish him. Yeah. Finish him by three. Oh, would you look at that? Because I also have Aldo winning and I also have it in the third round by TKO. You should have picked a better podcast partner. <laughs> Someone that differently than you. <laughs> well, this next one, I feel like we might be picking different. Um, oh, yeah. Michael, Ch Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. I picked Luque. He's a better striker. 55% of his wins are TKO. That's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. 
The other guy, zero knockouts. How are you having a fighting career with zero knockouts? Now his wins by submission, 61%. Otherwise going to a decision. I don't like anybody that tries to go for a decision to, to get their win. So I pick Lukau. And see, I told you because we are picking differently. I what? have I have Michael Chiesa beating Vicente Luque, but I do have it going to decision. Really? Mm. 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 It's not going to get that far. You don't think so? Yeah, I do. It might. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be future. Yeah, but <laughs> we'll find out in about forty-eight. No, sorry. 72 plus hours from now. Yes, yes, yes. Um, next, we've got Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. Now, this fight ended up, was originally on the prelims, but it got bumped up because news since we've both been on here, Amanda Nunes had to pull out of her fight against Juliana Pena because she tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, break my heart. Yep. This could be an interesting fight um, with Torres and Hill. They're both strikers. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a striker fight, yep. which uh, tells me it's going to go to decision. Yep. But if, uh, if I were a betting gal, which I'm not, because I like my money, <laughs> I'd go with Angela Hill all day. I love her fighting style. I love her hair. Mm -hmm. She has a reach advantage. She has good takedown defense. So even if she were taken down, it's not gonna matter. But I think she wins by decision. I think she's the better striker of the two. I think she has more power to her punches. She's more efficient. And uh, she lands more significant strikes. So I'm going with that. I feel like you took a jab at me with that whole, I'm not a betting gal because I like my money. <laughs> that, that, that felt so, I, I feel felt seen on that one. <laughs> and for that, I'm picking different, but not because of that, because I was already going to pick different anyways. Um, I, for me, I think Tisha Torres has, is the, they're both veterans, but I feel like Torres has a little bit more experience being as close to the top as Angela Hill's been to, which I'm really surprised that Hill, Hill has won, I think has won a title in Invicta. I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but Torres has been more towards the top while they've both been in the UFC, mm -hmm. Torres just just cannot get over that hump because I think she had her chance when she fought Ioana back in like October of 2019. Like that, I think that was the closest that Tisha Torres has ever gotten to tasting, a, like at least getting a title shot. Yeah. But I just think that experience being in high level fights works better in Torres's favor, and so I do have it by decision. But instead of Hill, I've got Torres. Strong disagreement there. That's okay. Okay. Well, we have to disagree at some point, you've said. Looks like you're on your way to wearing an I Love Conor McGregor t-shirt. Maybe you are. 
you might be in the lead now, but we'll see what happens. Um, but our last main card fight is Song, which actually is going to kick off the pay per view. Is <laughs> I'm going to try to save this without any innuendo jokes, but anybody any chance? Song Yadong versus Casey Kinney. Song Yadong. Yep. Is going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I actually this I think is the most even matchup of the night where mm -hmm. if you have two people that are kind of the same in in body style as far as reach is concerned and kick reach is concerned um there are both um pretty equal as far as, as striking and landing those strikes and significant strikes and, and everything like that. I actually think that I, I really think that Kenny is going to have a little bit better control over the ring and he's probably going to win simply because of the number of takedowns he attempts in any given fight and in the success of that takedown. And so I think that's probably what it's going to boil down to in that match. I also think this will come via decision in, in three, three rounds decision. Okay. I had Kenny to win. <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna make mine, mine short and sweet. <laughs> Song. Oh, wait, no. Dang are it. Trying, I, are you trying to rhyme? I'm trying to rhyme, yep. <laughs> um, oh, now, now, now I think that that just sounds terrible. Now that, I, now that I'm repeating it in my head. But you know what? It's an MMA podcast. Who cares? Song is going to ring Kenny's Yadong by knockout in the second round. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that was terrible, but <laughs> I'll take yeah, it. Though. Yeah, I like it. I like nerdy humor. I try. So you're going with Yadong. I'm going with. <laughs> and Yadong. I'm, I'm going with Yadong. Yadong. But well, let's just get to the fight, and that's not even how you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard it a few times, so I'm pretty confident. You're pretty confident. And Yadong. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in Yadong. Pretty confident in Yadong. But yeah, I have it by second round knockouts. Um, while Kenny does have, I do agree with you, it's very evenly matched. But just something about Yadong. Nope, you can't say but. Anytime you put in a but, it negates what you said before. I gotta think about that for a second. <laughs> Yadong's KO power, I think, is something oh, will be will be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and then huh. I don't know how I don't know. And also, Casey Kenny is not a very nice human being after his comments on Megan Anderson. If I'm thinking of the right fighter, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Not not to sway your decision by any way, by any means. It's not going to sway my decision. But if he's a jerk in real life, then it makes it hard to root for him. Right. 
Oh, so you, you've heard what Kenny has said about Megan Anderson. Someone hasn't heard? Is oh. It, it's a secret? No, it's not no. a secret. Mm -mm. You know, I, I don't pick my fights based on whether or not I actually like the fighter. That's true, I don't either. Except only, only if it's Conor McGregor. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you have personal experiences. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I did. I didn't like Misha Tate for a while, but I picked her in our podcast to win a fight. So mm -hmm. I realized, like, oh, you know what? She's a reasonable person. I like her. Although I will, I I do find this funny that when they made the announcement of what was it? They made the announcement of Nunez having to miss this fight. I don't know if it if Misha said it in her own words, but someone suggested having Tate and Pena fight for the interim Bana, women's bantamweight champion on this card. I'm like, no, go, go, like get. Uh, it, actually, I was more like, get out. People have you know, wild ideas. They do have wild ideas. And they aren't always good. Mm -mm. <laughs> just those two words, I'm just thinking, like they say, anyone, and that's my gripe also with this fight, okay. being tagged yeah. as an interim title old fight. Old um, I just say, like interim title fights make sense. I just look them straight in the eye, like, get out. <laughs> like, <laughs> So you know my gripe with the recent, especially with this interim title fight, this shouldn't even be in her. Like, why do you need to tag, like just have the two fight if you really want them to fight. You don't have to really slap a title, an interim right. fight on it. Like it makes no sense. Right. But Dana wants the money, apparently. It's just a sick pay-per-view thing. Yeah, it is. But what are you going to do about it? Um, we should fire Dana. <laughs> you hear that? I, imagine that. Oh, oh gosh, we probably, should, we probably shouldn't have said that on the podcast. We're probably going to be blocked by him soon. Well, we said something nasty about him two weeks ago on the podcast. Oh, did we? I totally forgot about that. Not I, a week goes by that I don't think it. Ah, I, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me let, let me check real quick. I'm pretty sure I'm still good. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, just in general. Oh, okay. well, I, I should I should look, I should really look at our podcast one to see. <laughs> so let's see. Come on, let's go. Oh, my stomach is growling. That means I'm hungry. Nope, nope. Dana has not blocked our podcast yet, so we're good. Dang it. <laughs> Oh, is that going to be like? Our... Imagine if that's what we could get put in our title. We were blocked by Dana White. Who blocks the <laughs> podcast anyway? Why don't you just not listen? Exactly. Why would you have to block it? <laughs> Confused. Well, the key, he can't block our podcast per se, but he can block our Twitter page. Oh, but, okay. but like, like if you if you don't want to listen, to, well, we're really still in the infant stage so it's not like we're gonna be noticed right away unless we said something like really bold and everyone shared it and everyone tagged in a white in it like um okay that that might end up being the reason <laughs> but well screw him anyway <laughs> <laughs> 
And if that comment gets us blocked, then our po- five, imagine we get blocked five episodes into our podcasts. I don't think a lot of people have done that. Yeah, we could be first. Yeah. Five episodes in, we're already blocked by Dana White. That must be some kind of record. Like, People are going to say, I'll get, I'm going to have to listen to this podcast. And there's where the anti-Dana White people can come in and listen to our podcast. See? Perhaps that's what we should have made it. Made the name. <laughs> Instead of front kicks and throat cuddles, we could just oh. say, fire Dana White. <laughs> that probably would have got us blocked within the first episode. So we would have broken the record even more. But we will see if that ever comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe Dana White thinks we're funny and he follows us. Oh, right. <laughs> Those two guys, they're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and so much hair. <laughs> uh, not too much anymore, but. But on that note, that is the end of episode five. Um, there is no car. There's there's no UFC card next weekend, so we have to figure out what we're gonna do. Hmm. We gotta figure it out fast. <laughs> really, gotta figure it out fast. Maybe we can try to see if. Nah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that behind the scenes and see what happens. The secret. Yeah, the secret. Secret. Well, not so much. Although football for our Broncos starts on Saturday, so. Oh, we are oh. Bron- and yes, we are two Broncos fans of an MMA podcast. Um, so maybe that'll occupy our minds. Oh, we could just do something fun, like which UFC fighters could play in the National Football League, or which UFC fighters played in the National Football League. That's a good one. I can oh. think of one person off the top of my head that has. But, I hope it's not Andy Janovich because you know, <laughs> dad, if his face got wrecked. <laughs> I'd see where he is now. Okay, that's like, now we're like transitioning to a completely different topic. And so we should probably, before we go any further. Goodbye, friends. <laughs> but in the meantime, you can find us on the, Oh, yeah, maybe we should do outros as far as like where they can find us if they want to talk to us, because I think that might be what we're missing. So where can they find you, Laurel? Get your jits on. Twitter. Oh, Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way to find me. That is the only way to find you. Yeah. At, I can never remember. Rain, What's basin. It called? rain basin rain basin okay. yeah. yeah i always yeah. keep i keep to say raisin for some odd reason raisin i don't know where raisin came from i don't either <laughs> because that's my almost least favorite fruit oh okay then i'll have to stop saying raisin i think when i see it i see raisin like i'm trying to type it in like is it r-a because he won't put in the i before that or the S before the I. I think that's where I'm thrown off. It's an I before the N. Uh, ra- oh, yeah. Rain. Let me interpret it, dance it for you. Rain. Mm. Basin. Okay. Oh, rain. Gotcha. 
Mm -hmm. Mine's really simple. Tie the fly guy, or actually it's just tie fly guy with a 15 in front. And then our podcast is FKTC pod on Twitter. And don't go looking for me on any other social medias because I'll just reject you right away. It's not like a lot of people would look for me anyways. If you and I have talked and had conversations, maybe. But for now, stick to Twitter. Stick to us on Twitter because that's where we release everything. Sports-related content only. What, what, what was that? What co related content? Sports-related content only or you will be blocked. Oh. No funny stuff. <laughs> you said these are like two weeks ago. No funny stuff. Oh, because we had the podcast. Yeah. No sending, no sending nudes to our DM Twitter page unless they're of actual like ramen noodles. Then we'll accept that. Ramen noodle nudes? <laughs> what? Just like just pictures of ramen noodles. <laughs> that, those are so I, bad for you. Do you eat a lot of those? It tastes like eight days for those to digest. Don't hate on my ramen noodles. I love them. And yes, I'm still stuck in college mode. If you haven't told, told if you haven't told, if you haven't known already. I don't know what I was trying to say there. But I'm going to stop before I ramble on any further. Um, so follow us there. Follow our podcast. And for the love of all that is mighty, send us questions for our forum. Because it gets us talking even more. I think we've only gotten two voice questions and two DMs in five episodes. So y'all need to get your ish together. But until then, this has been FKTC5. Bays with the Rays. I was trying to think of the title off the top of my head. And protect your neck, protect your faces from our kicks and protect those necks. And we will see you all next week. Bye.